Hey, I'm Scott. And I'm David. And if you're listening to this, you probably already knew that, but we are going to be, this is the first episode of a podcast that we're going to do entitled, the name of the podcast will be Books by Old Dead Guys. Now, I'd like to, to just take a moment and explain a little bit. Actually, I'm going to let David explain a little bit about how we, uh, how we ended up doing this and, uh, and what we're trying to do here. Yeah, so we, Scott and I started um, just meeting together to talk to one another and encourage one another and, uh, and just get to know one another better. And uh, along the way, we decided, man, it'd be fun to just sit down and, and read some books by old dead guys. And so uh, really it's kind of interesting that you're listening to this because you're kind of not the <laughs> – you're not the primary intended audience for this. You know, you're – you. W- you guys are listening in, but this is really kind of for Scott and I. This is really kind of just for us. Y- so yeah, the way we the way we ended up doing this is actually the last time we got together, we had started reading together, uh, Richard Baxter's Reformed Pastor, and uh, and actually that's what we're reading today, and we'll be reading probably for a long time because it is not an easy book, nor is it a thin book, and so uh, we got to the end of that, and I said, David. I bet there'd be people that would get a real kick out of listening to this because it, it, this we're doing this primarily for us for sure, but we're also doing it to serve our local church. And we have seen in our local church an increase in people who are at least interested mm-hmm. in the Puritans. Now, we're not going to restrict it to the Puritans, but if you've ever tried to read a Puritan book, I mean, it's not an easy thing. And so we thought, how neat would it be if we just read a book out loud and then talked about it? essentially trying to help people learn how to read Puritans or books by old dead guys because there is so much value in them and we we place so much priority on new things Mm. that sometimes we can miss old things and so we're going to be in this one for a while and uh and we're certainly going to be open to suggestions about other books we do this way as as it as it carries on um but we're gonna we're gonna pick it up today uh Kind of in the in the, at the end of the first chapter. I think one more other thing I'd tell you is that this is uh, 100% unscripted. In other words, we don't come in prepared for this. We literally read and then interact with it, and uh, and we reserve the right to chase any and every rabbit that we so choose uh, as we read. But what we'd like to do, kind of general format, is we're going to read the point. You know, one of us will read. I'll probably, if, if David's willing, let David read today the the chapter part. And then once we've read it, we're going to basically walk back through it and say, oh, here's what he's saying. Here's what we're thinking. Here's how this applies to the church today. Here's how it applies to life. I would say don't let the title of this book scare you if you're listening to this and you're not a pastor. Um, Man, Baxter is just pure gold. There's so much in this that is literally just applicable for the Christian life. I think it's a good starting point for us to know that what qualifies, you know, to remind ourselves, I guess, is what qualifies a man most for ministry is that he lives a life of, of holiness. Like I'm reminded of that Robert Murray McShane quote that what my, you know, I'll butcher in just a second here, what my people need most from me is my own personal holiness. And really, especially chapter one, where we are now, mm-hmm. uh, where Baxter is starting is going to be super relevant, I think, for anyone who aspires to love Christ more. And it's literally just looking inward at your own self. So we finished point one last time, right, David? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, do you want to summarize that for the folks at home? Um, so, so ultimately, he was just, he really just kind of laid the groundwork that, that we first be sure that we have, in fact, the, the first word of first sentence of point one, see that the work of saving grace be thoroughly wrought in your own souls. In other words, you got to look to yourself first, you know, that, that even as we, we try to talk a lot about culture of discipleship, and that's great, disciple making, and that's wonderful, uh, but our first and primary responsibility is our own standing before God. So he wants to, to, to make sure that you believe what you say you believe, kind of as a, as a summary. He goes from that to, um, to really talk about how miserable <laughs> it must be uh, to study and preach about sin and ultimately be preaching against yourself because you've not yet come to task with your own Sin, he then went to the idea of unregenerate and inexperienced pastors, how there are, there's a calamity in his time, and so definitely in ours, about the fact that there are so many pastors who have such deep knowledge of the word, and he was deeply concerned that they might potentially be non-Christians. That's one of the things that we keyed on, how dangerous and problematic it is in the church to have unregenerate church members and that it's, it's really no different in ministry and uh, and so then talked about how all study uh, he went through kind of the idea of going to school and, and beginning and end with the things of God that all of our study ultimately is to be a student of the word and from our knowledge of God and knowledge of the word flow all of our knowledge of other things including the sciences and math and things like that the priority of what he would define as Christian education which kind of sadly is is really contrary to even what Christian education looks like now in most cases. And so I made my strong case. It wasn't recorded, but I made my strong case for why we love homeschooling and, uh, and, and why for us that was a, a good decision. And that's kind of where we stopped. And so I think maybe end with one more quote that I had marked here uh, on mine. And, and it says this, Oh, think with yourselves what a sad thing it will be to their own souls. And what a wrong to the church of God if they come out from you, he's talking about our children, with common and carnal hearts to so great a holy and spiritual work. So the idea of what, what a shame that, you know, that we may have young people in our homes and, and people and members of our churches, by the way, as pastors, um, who have great knowledge about all sorts of things but come out with fleshly hearts and, and what a what a tragedy that would be and, uh, and how problematic. And so, so that is where we are. So I'm looking at page 31 on my book. Do you have a page number on yours? I have a page 12 on okay. my book. Okay, so, so who knows what page we're on. Hey. But we're on the Puritans mark their chapters out with like numbers. So you have like a one and then a two. We just finished point one of chapter one. So if you pick up the book, by the way, uh, free on Amazon Prime, I think, or 99 cent. It's either free or super cheap. The reprints, which I think David David's reading from a hard copy. Mm -hmm. The reprint, still not a very expensive book. So it's yeah. easy to pick up. Welcome to pick it up. And if you're a member of, the, of our church and you want a copy, uh, just let us know. We'll get you a copy. That is, that is not a problem. So we're going to let David take off on point two of chapter one in Baxter's Reformed Pastor. All righty. Content not yourselves with being in a state of grace, but be also careful that your graces are kept in vigorous and lively exercise, and that you preach to yourselves the sermons which you study before you preach them to others. If you did this for your own sakes, it would not be lost labor. But I am speaking to you upon the public account that you would do it for the sake of the church, when your minds are in a holy 
heavenly frame, your, your people are likely to partake of the fruits of it. Your prayers and praises and doctrine will be sweet and heavenly to them. They will likely feel when you have been much with God, that which is most on your hearts is like to be most in their ears. I confess, I must speak it by lamentable experience that I publish to my flock the distempers of my own soul. When I let my heart grow cold, my preaching is cold, and when it is confused, my preaching is confused. And so I can oft observe also in the best of my hearers that when I have grown cold in preaching, they have grown cold too. And the next prayers which I have heard from them have been too like my preaching. We are the nurses of Christ's little ones. If we forbear taking food ourselves, we shall famish them. It will soon be visible in their leanness and dull discharge of their several duties. If we let our love decline, we are not like to raise up theirs. If we abate our holy care and fear, it will appear in our preaching. If the matter shows it not, the manner will. If we feed on unwholesome food, either errors or fruitless controversies, our hearers are like to fare the worse for it. Whereas, if we abound in faith and love and zeal, how would it overflow to the refreshing of our congregations? And how would it appear in the increase of the same graces in them? O oh, brethren, watch therefore over your own hearts. Keep our lusts and passions and worldly inclinations. Keep up the life of faith and love and zeal. Be much at home and be much with God. If it be not your daily business to study your own hearts and to subdue corruption and to walk with God, if you make not this a work to which you constantly attend, all will go wrong and you will starve your hearers. Or if you have an affected fervency, you cannot expect a blessing to attend it from on high. Above all, be much in secret prayer and meditation. Thence you, will, you must fetch the heavenly fire that must kindle your sacrifices. Remember, you cannot decline and neglect your duty to your own hurt alone. Many will be losers by it as well as you for your people's sakes. Therefore, Look to your hearts. If a pang of spiritual pride should overtake you and should fall into any dangerous error and vent your own inventions to draw away disciples after you, what a wound may this prove to the church of which you have the oversight and you may become a plague to them instead of a blessing and they may wish they had never seen your faces. Oh, therefore, take heed to your own judgments and affections. Vanity and error will slyly insinuate and seldom come without fair pretenses. Great distempers and apostasies have usually small beginnings. The prince of darkness doth frequently personate an angel of light to draw the children of light again into darkness. How easily also will distempers creep in upon our affections and our first love and fear and care abate. Watch, therefore, for the sake of yourselves and others. Okay, let's, let's pause there because that's, um, that's one paragraph. 
and it was really, really long. And so I'd just like to back up and see what he's saying here. So first, content not yourselves with being in a state of grace, but be also careful that your graces are kept in vigorous and lively exercise, and that you preach to yourselves the sermons which you study before you preach them to others. In other words, we look inward before we preach outward. We we, we, we can't take care of our own selves. You can hear Paul, you know, watch closely your own doctrine, mm-hmm. talking to Timothy, and, and you can hear this. Why? Because he, he talks through then the, the, the idea. I, I really loved when I let my heart grow cold, my oh, preaching is cold. Also cold. And when it is confused, my preaching is confused. And so I can often observe also in the best of my hearers that when I have grown cold in my preaching, they have grown cold too. It's such a reality mm-hmm. uh, that you can't, preach with urgency that which you you don't believe yourself is is urgent you know and 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 how do we how do we show that urgency by the way we live it not just by the way we we write it mm-hmm. so I, I think that's that's pretty profound and mm-hmm. uh and so then if we feed on unwholesome food either errors or fruitless controversies our hearers are like to fare the worse for it boy that's a practical one i mean we are so it's always a temptation to preach on whatever Twitter is saying is the latest and greatest controversy, mm. you yeah. know, or, and, and really and truly, what is it that our people need? And what is it that we need? Even more than our people, what do we need? We need the word. We scriptures. need the truth of the scriptures. Now, should we interact with those things? Yes, but not and never at the expense of the faithful proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and that was, I think that's, that's key. Yeah. I mean, Baxter's hitting on, you know, something we've, we've talked about before you know you can't you can't give to others what you don't have yourself yep you know you can't you can't inspire others to be faithful in ways that if you're not shown yourself to be faithful you know you can't you can't impassionate other people you can't make them more passionate for christ without first being passionate yourself yeah you you can't you just can't so it's so outside of the realm to try to do what you first haven't what w- to try to work in others what hasn't first worked in your own soul truly yeah yeah and then finishing out what david just read um thinking about how so the the great great distempers and apostasies have usually small beginnings mm-hmm. you know it's that it's that old picture that you think of of this kind of fixed point on a page and if I, if I start drawing lines and those lines are just slightly apart, then the longer I draw those lines apart, the farther they go, like drawing a triangle out. You know, the, the bigger the triangle, the, the farther the distance is between those two lines. And, and that's what Baxter's saying is that it's, and it's easy. I mean, you know, having done this for a few years now, you can see how easy it is to, to navigate away, even just slightly, from the truth or to compromise the truth because you're you're afraid of offense and, and you know we don't like to think of fear of man as a real part of life and ministry but fear of man is a real part of life and ministry yeah i love it when he says if you make not this a work to which you constantly attend mm. all will go wrong yeah constantly you know that, i love that phrase all will go wrong yeah I, it reminds me so we did this a y- many years ago at our pulpit and it's not an original idea with me but that that on the pulpit for charles spurgeon was engraved into the pulpit the words of the peoples which were sir we would see jesus that that you have to constantly you get up there and you have to remind yourself i'm not here 
to espouse my personal opinion about much of anything. I'm not here to, to woo people into to, to being entertained by the church. I'm not here to, um, to, to tickle anyone's ears, nor, for that matter, to intentionally offend people. I'm here so that I will faithfully proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's Baxter. He's just going to hammer that over and over again because it's the first thing. It is the thing that is of first importance. And so, yep, good. All right. Here we go. Oh, we got one more paragraph. We'll be done more with small, smaller paragraph. Good. But besides this general course of watchfulness, methinks a minister should take some special pains with his heart before he is to go to the congregation. If it then be cold, if it be then cold, how is he likely to warm the hearts of his hearers? Therefore, go then specially to God for light. Read some rousing, awakening book, or meditate on the weight of the subject of which you are to speak, and on the great necessity of your people's souls, that you may go in the zeal of the Lord into his house. Mm. Maintain in this manner the life of grace in yourselves, that it may appear in all your sermons from the pulpit, that everyone who comes cold to the assembly may have some warmth imparted to him before he depart. Mm. Man, yeah, go then specially to God for life. I love that. Read some rousing, awakening book. Meditate on the way to the subject which you are to speak. So, so there's a there's a difference of opinion among a lot of uh, pastors uh, about whether your personal devotional life should be in the text that you're preaching uh, that week. And and I don't I don't personally think that that is true because it has been so. Here we're preaching Romans, for instance, and I'm spending my year personally studying the Gospel of Matthew, and, uh, and it has been striking to me how much the words of Jesus in Matthew, as they have impacted my soul, particularly the Sermon on the Mount in Romans 1, Romans 2, you know, as, as Paul is really laying down for the people the weight of sin and the impending judgment of God, and, and then you go into the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is basically preaching that, you know, here's the new kingdom, here's, here's, here are the new requirements, you thought that it was sufficient for you to, to not murder. Well, hold on a second. Let me drive this a little deeper. Here's, here's what it really means to murder. And, you know, in all those different ways to, to see how in my personal life I have, um, I have gained so much uh, growing in Christ by reading something different. Is that what you do? You do the same thing? Yeah, I don't read what, what's on our preaching calendar. I, I specifically stay away from trying to trying to mix my my daily devotions with you know what's coming up on the preaching calendar just because i mean it's just such it's just so tempting already it's so tempting already to be in my daily devotions and to think about to to have it not be about me and my relationship to the lord yeah it's so tempting to be in my daily devotions and think about how can I use this to benefit X, Y, the church, someone specific who's going through something right now. And those things aren't necessarily bad, but if if they're done to the detriment, mm. if, if they're done instead of me thinking about my own spiritual health and my own relationship to the Lord, then it, it can be suffocating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
so there's a so there's a, it's not an either or it's really kind of a of a both and, and what i mean by that is what what i what i'm how i'm filtering what you're saying is it's not just that we we surely study for our own benefit but we study both for our own benefit it mm-hmm. makes sense like so i study matthew because i don't want to just be studying for myself what i'm getting ready to produce for my people but then the responsibility is on me to be sure that as I'm preparing a sermon, as I'm writing in Romans or in the Psalms where we're getting ready to head, as I'm, as I'm spending time in those things, that I'm also studying that for my own benefit as well. It's not, that, it's not that I'm simply studying so that I would benefit someone else. I think what Baxter's teaching us and what he's helping us to understand is that we literally never do that. You know, now for the, for even for the personal, for the family, you know, the, the man who taught me the most about leading my family and family devotions his personal devotion life in the morning, uh, especially when his kids became teenagers, his personal devotional life in the morning was the content of his family devotions in the evening. So what he would do is he'd get up in the morning, mm. study the word, grow and gain from the word, and then he could come in at the end of the day with his family and say, hey, let me show you what God has taught me. You know, that there mm. is, and so in a very real degree, leaders, Bible teachers, at, at, at any level, have to be about that. It should never simply be the work of the pastor to prepare the word for someone else. We always first and primarily prepare it for ourselves. And so I think there's a great warning in that section. Okay, well that is section two. Indeed it is. It, and so we're going to wrap this one up. We'll we'll pick up next time on section three. I hope you guys have gained from this. It's always fun for us to do it. And uh, would look for, look forward to any any comments or thoughts you may have when we see you in church on Sunday if you're listening to these things. Thanks, guys. We'll see you again next time. Bye.